I'd say ladies, but then Forrest was there too, so. What a great song that is, and uh, what a great truth that is to remember how blessed uh, we really are, and uh, we, are, we, are, we are truly blessed. Sometimes I think that um, we can lose sight of that. Sometimes I think it's, um, sometimes I think life can be a little difficult, and so it's uh, sometimes easy to lose sight of that, uh, but uh, we are a blessed people, and um, we need to be reminded of that uh, from uh, time to time, and that song um, uh, certainly uh, will do that, uh, will uh, get you in the uh, the thankful mood. I know it's just kind of difficult to believe that Thanksgiving uh, is just around the corner. And um, sometimes, I don't know if you ever get this way, but sometimes I, I scratch my head at how fast time just marches on. And um, you, get to a, uh, you get to a place where you think to yourself, okay, Okay, what's next? You're so busy. You're so um, running about harem scarum, and then all of a sudden, boom! It's like like Thanksgiving's next week, and uh, so you know what that means. Christmas is next month, and so um, then that's the end of the year, and uh, it just seems like it just seems like it's hard to believe that um, that uh, the end of the year is already here. And uh, that's, uh, I'm so convinced more than ever before that we need, uh, uh, we need to be busy about our Father's business. We need to uh, get our, our, our priorities straight and our priorities in order because we only have a short time on this, on this earth. And uh, if we don't, um, we don't take that seriously, that time will just fly by. It'll just go by so fast. And um, Brother Dwayne gave me a, a couple things to look at. And once I look at them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, give you guys some tidbits of information about it. But uh, it's two things from the church from 1972. I said, Dwayne, I was born in 1972. And uh, has talked about some of the things that were going on in the church um, in in 1972, and uh, it just seems like it's hard to believe that we are in 2021, 2021, and it's fixed to be 2022. And um, I was talking, uh, my daughter and I were talking yesterday. We we're talking about a show, and when this this certain show. Uh, that she was watching and when it first came out. And she said, oh, it didn't, it didn't come out that long ago. I said, oh, I said, I'm pretty sure that was a while ago. She said, no, it was like 2010. I said, sweetie, that was like 12 years ago. I mean, 11 years ago. And I said, that, that, was, a, that was a long time ago. But you think back and you think to yourself, 2010 was just yesterday. Anybody ever think that way, or am I the only one? I mean, I, seriously, you just think like it's, what in the world? It's, when I was a kid, 20, 2010, 2020, you know, we're, we're going to be 
flying around like the Jetsons, you know? Remember that? Remember that? No? Okay. I mean, we're going to be flying around, and I mean, we're going to have, I mean, we're, people are going to be living on Mars, you know, all these kind of things were going to happen. When I, when I was thinking about 2022, uh, 2020, and um, not even thinking that far in advance, and um, there are things. So I was thinking about this. So I was thinking about Thanksgiving, and you know, def, you know, typically what we do on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving time is we preach a message on 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 Thanksgiving, obviously. Um, but but I, I kind of thought in a little different direction. I want you to turn to First Corinthians chapter four this morning. First Corinthians chapter number four. So I was thinking as we are. Remember, we went through a series of messages on um, our responsibility. Uh, in the Valley of Blessing. So we were talking about uh, out of Chronicles, uh, where Jehoshaphat uh, was uh, with the people of God, and, and uh, they were in the area uh, where there was a valley that was called the Valley of Baraka. And, and that valley, uh, that, that, that word Baraka, in the Hebrew literally means blessing. So it was, uh, they were in the valley of blessing. And as uh, the uh, group sang this morning, we've been blessed. And so because we have been blessed, and God has been so good to us in so many ways, and uh, as we think about how good God has been to us, we realize that we have been blessed, and God has blessed us richly. And because God has blessed us richly, we're responsible. We, we have a responsibility uh, uh, as Christians. We have a responsibility uh, as, uh, as the church because we have been blessed. Because uh, with uh, people that have, you've heard the statement, right, where uh, uh, much is given, much is required. Okay, and so we have been given much, so there should be much that's required of us. You see, there's a lot of things, and I'll just give you kind of an example when it comes to the Word of God. Do you know there are some places that don't have a copy of the Word of God? There are some places uh, that don't even have the Word of God in their language, if that doesn't blow your mind. There are some places in the world who don't even have a written language. Now think about that. As you, as you think about these people groups that are around the world, we tend to not think that way because we tend to think of the United States of America is the world. We don't, we don't generally admit, admit that, but we, we generally think that this is, we are the world and everybody else, well, whatever. But, you know, we've got the Word of God in our language. And we've got multiple copies. Most of us in here probably have multiple copies of the Word of God. And so, uh, but there are people in this world that don't have it. So we that do have it are more responsible, should be more responsible for the Word of God that God has blessed us with, that God has given us. So we must get out the Word of God. It is our responsibility to get the Word of God into all the world. That's what the Bible says, uh, to preach the Word of God and preach it to, 
to the whole world, and we need to get out to the Word of God. So I was thinking about this uh, as a thankful people. How can we be thankful? Well, I think we can be thankful in words. Obviously, those are that's a lost art, is it not? How often do you hear the word thank you anymore? Uh, the words thank you anymore. It's very, very rare. Uh, I, I, I love to do anywhere I go. I love to do a, a, uh, just a little project. I, I, I love to do it. I, I'll go to a restaurant or I'll go to a store or I'll go to wherever and, uh, I, and I'll hold the door open. Try it. I, I, I dare say try it. Give, take some time. I know usually we're in a busy and we throw open the door and go through it and, you know, if it shuts on somebody else, you know, we, we're not paying no attention. But I, 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 I've always been taught. You, you know, now, I know we're living in a very different world today, but I've always been taught you hold the door for a lady. I've always been taught that. And so if I come up somewhere, I always open the door for my wife, and, and, then, um, and then if there's other people coming, I'll stand there and hold the door. Sometimes you stand there and hold the door for a while. But I like to do that because I like to sit and I like to stand there and hear or listen to how many people say thank you. Sometimes you get to look like, yeah, that's what you're getting paid for, pal. It's like, I want to say as they come in here, I'm, I don't work for this place. I'm just holding the door for you, you know, because I want to hold the door for you. Now, we live in the South, and, and we live, I, I, I believe, in the, in the true South, and so uh, you, we, you, get, you, get, you get more thank yous than, than, than normal. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of the next generation that is missing words like please and thank you. And by golly, these stinking kids. Well, it ain't these stinking kids' fault. How are they going to know unless they've been taught? And we teach them with our words, right? We teach them with words. We, we let them know this is what you do in this situation. Where I was raised, you didn't say sir and ma'am. It wasn't a thing of disrespect. You just didn't, you, you just didn't do it. I learned it when I went to the military. I learned it really fast when I went to the military. And in the South, it's something that you do. And so we've taught our children. And you're talking to somebody that's older than you, you and if it's a man, you say, sir. If, you say, if it's a woman, you say, ma'am. You've got to be really careful in the world we're living in today. You might get that one wrong. But anyways, you say, sir and ma'am. Right? I mean, these are things that you teach your children. So you, you use your mouth. Right? You can be thankful with your mouth. But man, what we're really missing is being thankful with our life. Showing people that we're thankful. You see, we teach our children with our lips, but then we reinforce that with, a, with the way we, we live our lives. We show our kids, we tell our kids, okay, you need to be thankful, and then we show our kids what it means to be thankful. And you see, the same thing is true when it comes to being thankful to God because utmost and very first in our lives, we need to radiate from our lives that we are thankful to the Lord our God. Thankful for what He's done. 
thankful for what He's doing. Thankful what He's going to do for us in the future. Being thankful to God, but not only with our words, but with our lives. Showing God that we are thankful and realizing, realizing that as Christians, we are thankful. There are some things that we can show God that we are thankful for. There are ways that we can live our lives, and there are some musts that God puts in, in the Word of God. Some musts. It's an interesting, interesting terminology. That terminology must. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to see a couple verses. Look at verse number 1. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Watch verse 2. Moreover, now if you're marking your Bibles, mark this word. Moreover, it is required. Interesting word, isn't it? It's required. You see, we have been reintroduced to that word when COVID hit and some stores are requiring that you wear masks. Right? There's some places that are requiring. There was a place that we, that uh, Wendy and I are celebrating our 25th anniversary coming up in, in December. And so I wanted to, I wanted to take her somewhere, somewhere real nice. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you didn't know, it's really hard to take anybody anywhere in the world we're living in today. And so I was going to take her to this really nice place. I won't tell you where it was, but uh, this really nice place. And we were going to go there and I did some research and they're requiring some things. I mean, requiring. You cannot go there without X, Y, and Z. And so if you don't have X, Y, and Z, guess what that means? Can't go there. Why? Now, you can complain about it and you can gripe about it, but guess what? It's their prerogative to require that. It's your, requ- it's your prerogative not to go, okay? But it's their prerogative to require that. It's their prerogative. And we, it's, it's an ongoing debate. I know this store requires it. We wear masks. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Listen to me. It's their, it's their store. They can require it if they want to. You cannot go. Or you can put a mask on and go. Whatever. You know, it's, it, but the point is, it is absolutely required. That means you have to. That means you must. Listen to what he says. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's required. It is a must. What is it? What is it? Uh, uh, some musts that we find in the Word of God when it comes to Christians, when it comes to, uh, uh, to, to people in general. What is required? The musts, I want to give you a couple. The musts uh, uh, of the Scriptures. The musts of the Scriptures. Number one, the must of gaining heaven. The must of gaining heaven. I want you to, I want you to know, it, 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 it shocks me, and it boggles my mind what people think about how to get to heaven. Now, we're not talking about opinion. We're not talking about speculation. We're talking about what does the Bible say? 
Because what man says doesn't matter if it's contrary to what God says. So, I think we're all agreeing here that what God says always trumps what man says. Why? Because God... Is this, this, is a simple, this is a simple equation here, folks. God knows more than you. Now, if nobody ever told you that, then I'm sorry for you, but I promise you, God knows more than you. God knows more than me. There is no man on the face of this earth that has ever lived that knows more than God does. So, let God be true, right? And every man a liar. The Bible's not saying that every man is necessarily a liar. What is the Bible saying? The Bible's saying is if what man says is contrary to what God says, then God is true and the man is a liar. Every single time. Not most of the time. Not three quarters of the time. Not nine times out of ten, but every single time. And so what God says. So what does God say? Now I'm not talking about what God says audibly. I'm telling you, this is what people do. But you understand, preacher, God spoke to me, and He told me this. There are some people that do not want to follow the tenets of the Word of God, so they take the Word of God, and they close it, and they say, but you don't understand, what I am is a prophet. I'm a prophet. Be careful of anybody that calls themselves a prophet. Because let me tell you what a prophet is. A prophet is, you've read them, right? Isaiah is a prophet. Jeremiah was a prophet. You know, these, Jonah was a prophet. These men of God and the word of God were prophets. And what was their job? Their job was was to be a conduit for God. God spoke to them. They spoke to the people. Now, God didn't speak to them and then they interpreted it and then gave it to the people. No, 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 no. God spoke to them and they spoke to the people. Good news, bad news, blessing, judgment. They gave it to them. You ever read the book of Jeremiah? Do you know that Jeremiah wrote the next book? It's called Lamentations. You don't really have to know what Lamentations is about. It tells you what it's about. Do you know what, you know what, you know what Jeremiah was known as? The weeping prophet. Bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. Here it is. And you know what he gave him? He gave him that bad news that God gave to him. I want you to know something. We now have, when that which is perfect has come, Now, that word perfect means complete. So when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. So that which is perfect, the Word of God, it's completed. Genesis to Revelation, we have all 66 books contained in this Bible. We have everything God wants to say to us right here in this book. So it's complete. And that which is complete is now come. So those things that are in part, we don't need signs. We don't need God speaking to us audibly anymore. We have everything we need right here in the Word of God. 
So what is God's, what are God's words? They're right here in the book. So everything we need, everything we need to follow is found, is contained in the Word of God. You can't discard this book and call yourself a good Christian. You can't do it. It's not possible. Why? Because these are the very words of God. But wait a minute, preacher. Didn't man write this book? Oh, we are sorely mistaken. 2 Timothy 3 says all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know what that word inspiration means? You know what it means? It means God breathed. God breathed upon the writers His Word. This is not man's Word. This is God's Word. And so we follow not man's word, we follow God's word. And when man comes up with some nonsense that is different or that is contrary from God's word, then we need to put a finger on it and say, wait a minute, that's false because this is truth. Do you understand that conclusion? Because there's truth, there's falsehood in this world. Do you understand? I always use this illustration. One plus one can't equal two and five. It's one or the other. So therefore, if one plus one equals two, then one plus one that equals five must be false. Why is it false? It's not false because I think it's false. It's false because we know for a fact that one plus one equals two. So because of that fact, because of that truth, we know that's error. Do you understand that? So we have the truth of the Word of God, therefore we understand error. Because error is always, is always put upon truth. What is truth? This is truth. So if this is truth, this is error. Well, the way to get to heaven, there's a truth behind it. There's a truth behind it. And it's not a matter of what I think or a matter of what some denomination says or what some religion says. But I want you to know this much. If God said, and we're going to prove that here in just a second, what God said. If God said that there is a certain way to heaven and this is the way, then if that's the way, any other way is error. Do you see the easy? That's an easy conclusion. If this is the way, then other ways, if, if now, if this is the truth, now, if you don't, if you don't regard this as the truth, then you have other more important issues. But if we have this, if we hold this word to be truth, if we hold John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. It's clear. God said, this book is truth. So if this book is truth, and some guy writes another book that's contrary to this book, then that book's error. Did I lose some of y'all? Some of y'all look like you're not with me. Okay, this is, this is pretty simple stuff. So if this is truth, then there's a way to heaven, and then the other ways are, are wrong. Mistaken, error. I don't, I don't care however you want to put them. 
but they're in error. Watch, watch these verses. John chapter 3 and verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto you, that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. First, First Corinthians fifteen fifty three. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Hebrews chapter eleven and verse six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe. You see, there is a whole realm of scriptures that say. Uh, 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 that 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 speak uh, to the truth of the musts of gaining heaven. Let me let me let me talk to you about it for a minute. Uh, number one, the musts of gaining heaven. First of all, it must be uh, his way, not our way. It must be his way, not our way. We we are we are inventor of things, people in general. Are inventors of things, and they like to they like to they like to invent things, and they like to invent new things. That's why we have so many fads in this world, and fashion in this world, and so so often how things change in this world. They change all the time. They're they're constantly changing. Uh, 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 you know, things in this world, material things and, and clothing and, and hairstyle and all these different things. They constantly change. Now they always come back around. They seem to always come back around, right? And one thing you think was you thought was old fashioned and now it's you know it's a it's a new a new fashion. It was old before and now it's new and this has come back in, and this hairstyle has come back in, and these clothings, uh, this clothing style has come back in, and, and all these things are changing. We like to change things all the time. So, so often what we do with the Word of God is we think to ourselves, well, that's really, that's really a book of my forefathers. That's a, that's a book of, of, of last generation. And so let's, let's just tweak it a little bit. You know, it's good to change things sometimes. It's good to tweak things sometimes. And, and, and sometimes uh, that's not a bad thing. But when it comes to the Word of God, God's Word doesn't need to be tweaked. It doesn't need to be altered. It doesn't need to be changed. God's book, you've read the verse before in Hebrews 4, where it says God's Word is a living book. It's, it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That word quick doesn't mean it can run a 100-yard dash really fast. What does it mean? It means it's a living book. You ever, you ever, get, a, you ever get a splinter? And then, but you ever get a splinter in the, in your, down in your fingernail? And you got it down in the what? The quick. You know why it hurts so bad? Because it's the living part. I mean, it, it hurts like the dickens when you get it down in your face. I mean, why? Because it's in the quick. It's the, it's the live part. Let me tell you, the Word of God is living. So let me tell you what that means. That means that the Word of God was relevant yesterday. It is relevant for today. And it will be relevant for tomorrow. God's book is sufficient for all generations. 
It doesn't need to be changed. And so when it comes to the way of God, then God's way is always the right way. Man's way, if it's contrary to God, is always the wrong way. And so it's got to be God's way and not man's way. It must be. John chapter 14. You know, Jesus speaks to his disciples in John chapter 14. And they're a little worried and they're a little anxious. And Jesus tells them in John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's trying to encourage them. Go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Questions asked. Matter of fact, pretty good question. You talk about this way. You talk about these mansions. You talk about this place. How in the world can we know the way? Pretty good question. John chapter 14, Jesus answers that question. Verse number 6. He says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now that's, that's pretty close-minded. Is it not? When Jesus made this statement, he did not say, let's be clear, he did not say, I am a way, a truth, and a life. He used the definite article on all three of those when he said, I am the way. So let me, let me, let me explain to you what the way means. It literally means the only way. The one and only way. When he said, I am the way, that means He is the only one. He is the only truth and He is the only life. He is saying, Jesus saying, there is only one way to heaven and I'm it. Now, I want you to know something about that statement. That statement means that all the other ways are the wrong way. Now, Otherwise, he wouldn't have used the definite article, the. So, the most of gaining heaven has got to be God's way and not man's way. And so, what's God's way? God's way is Jesus. And Jesus is the only way. Therefore, all the other denominations, religions, whatever you want to get, I don't care who it is, I don't care if it's another Baptist. If they believe something other than Jesus Christ, they're believing in error. And Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father. I'm telling you, we're living in a world today, and we're even, we're, we're, we're even living in a, in a religion today where everybody wants to believe in God, but they don't want to go through Jesus. They want to talk about how much they love God. They want to talk about how much they want to serve God. They want to talk about God, God, God. I'm, I'm about talking about God. Don't misunderstand what I'm talking about. I mean, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, I, I'm for God. Don't misunderstand me. But Jesus said, you can't get to God without going through me. 
You see, the scripture says there is one mediator between God and man. One. That means there's only one door. There's only one avenue. There's only one way. And Jesus said, I'm it. Now, I, I, I understand. I understand how close-minded that is. But I'm telling you, I didn't make that up. That's, that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's what God's saying. I'm just giving to you what God is saying. So what does that mean? That means there is no other way. There is no other person. Can I, can I tell you that Peter has absolutely nothing to do with your salvation? you hear me? You're not going to get to the pearly gates one day. Well, Hollywood has screwed up our, our way of thinking. You're not going to get to Hollywood one day and Peter's going to be sitting up there by the gate and he's going to determine whether you, uh, did you, did you do enough good works? Did you not, if you did enough good works, the pearly gates open and you go through. If you didn't, then the trap door opens and you fall through. What? Where do we even get that? You know, I, th- I think sometimes we get to this point where we say, well, you know what? Uh, you know, God built his church on Peter. You understand? Got, no, God didn't build his church on Peter. God built his church on the rock. The rock is proven in the Word of God to be Jesus Christ. You know what? This is interesting. Do you know what, you know what Jesus changed Peter's name to? Who said that? Cephas. You know what Cephas means? Little bitty pebble. Little bitty stone. Isn't that funny? Isn't that ironic? Because God didn't build His church on Peter. He built His church on Jesus Christ and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. But it's all about Jesus. It's not about Peter. It's not about John. It's not about Mary. It's not about any of these other people. It's all about Jesus Christ. And He is the way. You place your faith and trust in Christ, and that's the only way that you can get to heaven. You can't get there on your good merits. How how do I know that I can't get there on my good merits? Because my heart's above all things desperately wicked. In me, Paul said, uh, that, that is it, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You know what Isaiah said your righteousness is as? Filthy rags. You know what those filthy rags are? Leper. That's what they're talking about, those leper rags. And back in the day, boy, that was just, I won't even give you an explanation because it's kind of disgusting. But they would put rags on their... Well, I will give you a description. They put the rags on their, on their, on their face and on their arms. And, on their, and you, know what the, you know what leprosy was? It was a skin disease. And literally, their skin, sometimes their noses would fall off. Part of their ears would fall. And they would, they would take these rags and they would lift them up off their skin. And skin and pus and blood and just all this disgusting stuff would come off on it. And they'd have to put new rags down. That's your best. Swallow that one. That's the best you can come up with. That's what Isaiah said. You see, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Listen to me. There is none righteous. No, not one. See, we've got to take the whole counsel of God, don't we? See, we wish that the Bible consisted of one verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
That's in there, preacher, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, that's about the only verse some people know. But I'm telling you, that's only one verse in the Bible. And we've got to take the whole counsel of God. And we've all missed a mark and we've all failed. That's why Jesus came. Why do you think Jesus came? He didn't come because he was a sinner. He didn't come because he wanted to feel like what it felt like to die. He came so he could take your place and he could take my place. That's, that's the Jesus way. It's God's way, not man's way. Number two, it must be God's way, not man's way. But number two, it must be his work, not our work. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not what I do. It's not what I accomplish. It's not what I can get done. It's all about what he has already done. You see, Jesus cried seven sayings from the cross. It's a great study, by the way. If you ever want to do a, 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 a topical study, do a topical study on the seven sayings of Christ on the cross. Several really good books on it. But let me tell you, one of them was one of the most important sayings on the cross. Just three words. It is finished. It is finished. He didn't say it's almost done. He didn't say we're just about there. He didn't say, okay, well, I got, I got you three quarters of the way, now you've got to get the rest of the way. No, no, no. He said, it is finished. So when he died on the cross, he was buried. Remember, he was put in the, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea three days, rose again the third day. The Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father. Right now. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. So he went to the right hand of the Father. Guess what he did? You know what he did when he got to the right hand of the Father? He sat down. You know why he sat down? Because it was finished. It was done. Redemption's plan was all wrapped up. And now, all we have to do is place our faith and trust in Christ. And he'll save us. It's already finished. I don't, have, I don't have to worry about... Listen, when it comes to my salvation and when it comes to heaven, church membership, baptism, confirmation, dedication, I don't care what words you use. I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just telling you they are not necessary for salvation. Because salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. Think about this. Think about just these, let me be done with this. Think about these three, three words when it comes to salvation. Number one, this way, the way of salvation is open. It's open. Go back to John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, he's not talking about this orb that's, that's spinning on an axis. He's not talking about this earth. He's talking about people. Because God loves people more than anything. God loves you. God loves me. He loves us sacrificially. He, he gave His life so that you might live with Him forever. What a blessing that is. It's an open way. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. It's an open way. Number two, it's the only way. We talked about that, right? Jesus is the way. 
the truth and the life. And then I want you to see the third thing. It's an optional way. And what do I mean by that? Do I mean there's more than one way? No, we already determined that it's the only one way. But it's an optional way because you get to choose. God has given us a free will. You see, where we struggle, or where some people struggle with the sovereignty of God, is they think the sovereignty of God and the free will of man are contrary to each other. And they're not. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man are complementary to each other. In God's sovereignty, He's given you free will. And it's optional. Do you know you don't have to be saved? You don't, you don't have to be saved. Now, if you, if you reject Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't get to heaven. You see, we want our cake and eat it too. We want to live however we want to live. We want to eat, drink, and be merry. And we want to do all the things that we want to do. And then when we die, we want to reject Christ, we want to reject the Bible, we want to reject prayer, we want to reject church, we want any, of, any religion in our life. But then when we die, we want to go to heaven. Well, good. Guess what? That's not how it happens. Because if you decide, because you get to decide, if you decide that you're not going to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you have sealed your fate for eternity. Because eternity is determined now, not in eternity. Did you get that? We don't get to decide when we get to eternity. The decision has already been made. And we make that before we die. Now, some people make decisions on deathbeds. You've heard about that? You've read about that? I've, I've, I've seen that. I've, I've seen it. Ex- experienced it. I've read about it. But I want you to know something. It's rare. It's rare. You know why? Because sometimes you don't get a deathbed. Sometimes you go out into eternity immediately. Sometimes it's not a lingering time. Sometimes it's not a, a sickness. Sometimes you just go out and, and you meet God. And when you meet God, your opportunity to be saved is over. Now, I don't have time to address it this morning. But I want you to understand this as well. Some people say, you know what? I'm just going to wait. And when the rapture of the church happens, after the rapture of the church, I'm going to get saved during the tribulation period. I want you to know something. I want, you, I, want you to, I want to be very clear because I think some people are confused by this. There will be many, a matter of fact, the Bible uses the word multitudes. There will be multitudes that will be saved during the tribulation period. Multitudes. But it will be those that have never heard. This idea that when the, church, when, the, when the rapture of the church happens and, and we're going to look around and see the church is gone and we're going to go, oh my goodness, I, I missed it, now I need to get saved. The Bible says... God Himself will send strong delusions and will believe a lie. So those that have heard before, those that have had an opportunity to be saved and rejected it, will not have another opportunity during the tribulation period to be saved. It's a a biblical fact. Hence the reason, watch this, let me tell you what God says. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. If you've been tossing it around, If you've been thinking about it, if you've been contemplating it, let me tell you what you're doing. You are rolling the dice. And it is a a gamble you don't want to gamble. Why? Because we have no idea what's going to happen. 
I'm not trying to be morbid with you this morning, but I can tell you right now, you can you can go out, you could leave this place right now and get in a car wreck and 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 go out into eternity in an instant. You could walk out, walk through those back doors, have a heart attack, die on the ground. I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling you this stuff happens all the time. So we must. Be ready. We must be sure. And we can be sure. 1 John 5.13 We can know that we know that we know that we have eternal life. Amen. I don't have to guess it. I don't carry a lucky rabbit's foot around with me. I don't cross my fingers and cross my toes. Listen to me. I know that I'm saved. How do I know that I'm saved? Because of that book. I did what that book said, so I know my eternity is secure. What does that book say? That book says, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. And you too can gain heaven one day. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're listening this morning by live streaming. You've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, more than anything, I'm here to tell you that God loves you. He loves you supremely. He loves you sacrificially. He has made the way. He has provided the way. And I'm here to tell you, church, I am so glad that He has done it. Because I know I couldn't do it. And I'm telling you... I. I don't know that you know, but I can promise you, you couldn't do it either. I'm just, I, I try to do my best, preacher, I know, but it's still, we still fail. We still falter. And we're still sinners. And here's the question I always ask about people who think that it's, it's a work-based salvation. How much is enough? If you've got to work for your salvation... How much work do you have to work? How much good do you have to do? And can you honestly say with a clear heart and a clear conscience, can you honestly say that you do more good in your life? Well, I don't do that. I don't do such and such and such and such, but let me tell you something. You know what the Bible says? The Bible takes it a step further, doesn't it? You know, it's wrong to commit adultery. But you know what the Bible says? A man looks at a woman and lusts, at her, lusts after her. He's committed adultery in his heart. He hasn't even, he hasn't even committed it. You know, murder's wrong. But you know what? If you, if you look at your brother or sister and hate them. Huh? Isn't that what the Scripture says? It takes it a step further, doesn't it? Listen, we're all, we're all, we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We're all, we're all lost without Christ. So what do we need? We need Christ in our lives. And if you've never accepted Him as your Savior, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Him, God said, today's the day. God said, now's the time. Don't put it off. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't gamble. It's not, a, it's not worth gambling. You might have tomorrow, but guess what? You might not have tomorrow too. 
I'm not sure about it, preacher. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It's between you and God, and I'll just I'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. Here's my hand, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. I'm not sure about my salvation, but I, but I want to be, and I need to be. Would you, would you pray for me? Is there one? Can I tell you, if you're, if you're, I appreciate your hand. I'll pray for you. Is there another? I'm not sure about it, preacher. Can I tell you, if you're watching by live stream, if, if you're not sure about it, I, I want you to know something. It's not difficult. It's not a matter of how much knowledge of the Word of God you have. It's not a matter of how much faith you have. It's not a matter of how much faith you put in Christ. It's a matter of putting the faith you have in Christ. I remember it. I remember it as vivid as it was yesterday. Let me tell you what I did when I got saved. I didn't have a preacher near me. Matter of fact, I didn't even have a Christian near me. I was on my ship, down by my rack. I had just got back from leave, and I, I got down. I mean, the Lord was working in my heart. I knew I was a sinner. I was under deep conviction. I got down by my rack, and can I tell you something? I guarantee you there isn't a person sitting in this place that knows less about the Bible than I did. I knew nothing. I mean, nothing. I couldn't have told you the difference between Adam and Peter. I, I, I couldn't have told you, I couldn't told you anything, any stories in the Word of God. I didn't, I didn't grow up that way. But I'm here to tell you, I got down on my knees by my rack and I prayed a real simple prayer. I said, Lord, I know that I'm a, that I'm a sinner. Nobody had to tell me that. I knew it. And I knew there was no way I could get to heaven. I couldn't work for it. I couldn't be religious enough for it. And so, God, I know I've failed. I know I've missed the mark. But I know that you're a greater Savior. I know that you're greater than my sin. And I know that you died for my sin. And I know that you didn't stay dead and that, you're, that you rose again that third day. And, and I know that if I place my faith and trust in you, that you'll save me. God, I'm asking you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins and to save my soul. I mean, I'm telling you, that was as simple as my prayer was. It was probably simpler than that. And let me tell you, from that day to this, my salvation isn't based on me being a preacher. It isn't based on me being baptized. It isn't based on me joining a church. It isn't based on me being a good person. My salvation is based on the day that I bowed my head on the USS Jack Williams, the guided missile frigate, and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and my life. That's as simple as it is. And if you're not saved, you too can be saved. That simply. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing this morning, a hymn invitation.